Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. It is so good to have you all here. Gosh, you're amazing. I uh, was just looking across the room today and just looking at the people that God has brought in and what He's done, the fact that you are here. Uh, it's just incredible. We love you. And I know God is going to deposit something rich on the inside of us today. So good to have Craig's mum here with us this morning. <clears throat> We've been in New Zealand all week and uh, she's been here looking after our very angelic children who caused her no issues and no dramas whatsoever. But how good are mums? They came back, the washing's done, the house is clean, kids are looked after. They're just so good. <clears throat> Why don't you raise your hands to heaven? I know God is gonna speak to us today. Jesus, we love you. And I pray that you'd speak to every one of us right now. God, right now we put aside our agendas, what we're gonna do after the service, other things that are going on in our lives. And we just ask, Lord, that You would speak. We pray that we would posture our hearts to hear from You right now. God, that You would speak so clearly that it would not be my Word, but it would be Yours. God, I just pray cause a shift on the inside of us that we would step more into everything that You have for us, Lord. God, change us. Make us more like You, we pray. In Jesus' Name, everyone said, Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, thank you, team. You are amazing. But like I said, this week I was uh, in New Zealand. We were there connecting with some of our staff. And I came back a little bit later than Craig because I just wanted a bit more space from the kids. Honest confession. <laughs> Uh, he came back a bit earlier, so I stayed to do a little bit of message prep for this message here today, but really just to get a bit of time. And as I was uh, on the way, I was dropping the hire car off and then being shuttled to the airport, I was chatting to the guy that was dropping me to the airport. His name was Bill, lovely guy. And we got chatting. He asked us, our kids, who our kids were, I said, oh, you know, we've got 13-year-old Zion and 10-year-old Hope, and then our little son, youngest, four years old, Ezekiel. And he's like, well, they're very Christian names. I said, yeah, they are. He said, well, why, you know, you guys Christians? I said, yeah, we're actually pastors, pastors of a church. He was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, have you got a faith yourself? He was like, well, you know, I'm Catholic, go to my grandma's church every now and then, but I, you know, I haven't been in ages. And he was like, how long have you guys been doing this, you know, pastoring thing for? And I was like, oh, it's coming up, 22 years. And he's like, oh, wow. He's like, you know, I, I thought you were in your 30s. I'm like, you're a good man, Bill. You're a good man. But then he followed up was, but you're getting up there, eh? With those kind of figures. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna dwell on that conversation because I don't wanna know what getting up there means. But we're chatting away. And I'm like, mate, there is a whole group of people at a church life, it's called. Man, they'd love to get to meet you, journey with God together, get to know you. They're just waiting for you. Come check out Life South on Sunday. We'd love to have you there. He was keen. I'm sure he's going to pop along. But again, I had one of those moments of, wow, God, look what you've done. It's been almost 10 years. But God's called us here. And every time I fly back, 
to our city, our country, where God has called us for good. It's not plan B, it's God's plan A. Again, you just that sense of, wow, God, look at what you've called us to. Ten years ago, selling everything that we had, first home that we'd brought, two young kids, Zion, four years old, Hope, just 19 months, getting out at the airport, waiting for the van to pick us up, all our stuff everywhere was standing by the Melbourne sign at the airport. And I said to God, God, you have our yes, but this is scary. But you look back at the yes we gave God, the yes to the God call, and look at what God has done. Look at what he's stepping us into. Look at the people that have come. Look at the people that have discovered the wonder of Jesus, the wonder of salvation, the wonder of his freedom. Look at what he's stepping us into with Sim Street. But what wouldn't have happened for us if we hadn't have said yes to the God call. That yes to his voice calling us into more. And I know as a church that we're in a season where God is asking for more. He's asking again, would you respond to the God call? Would you respond to my call to step into more that I have for you? As Pastor Luke, our senior pastor, articulated so well last Sunday, we're in a season where Jesus is saying, would you come and follow me? Come on, guys, there's more that I have for you. There's greater influence I want you to step into. As you come and follow me, there are others behind you wanting to also follow you as you step in obedience to me and follow me. Guys, there's influence for us to step into. There's more lives for us to impact. There's greater kingdom outcome that He has for us, greater territory for Him to take. There's this call of come, follow me and make disciples. And I'm so excited about it. But there is this call that He is giving us this year and how will we respond to it? What we're gonna do is we're gonna turn in our Bibles to the example of Esther and how she responded to that call. And you know, the book of Esther, a lot of us would be familiar with it. It was set in the time about 470 years before Jesus died on the cross. And it was set in Susa, which is modern day Iran. And Esther, most of Israel had actually gone back to their homeland, but Esther and Mordecai, a few others were still living in exile, or a great number of Jewish people were still living in exile. And the king Xerxes, he has a fallout with his former wife, the queen, and then he goes to take a new queen and he brings all the beautiful women to his palace. And Esther is one of those. And the Bible says that he falls in love with Esther. He's more attracted to her than anybody else. And it's God setting it up. And then Esther becomes the new queen. And then this bad man, Haman, when we tell our kids the story, that's what we say, bad man, Haman, decides to destroy all the Jewish people. He hates Mordecai, Esther's uncle. And so he makes this plan to wipe out all of God's people. Obviously, the enemy is behind it. And then Mordecai hears about this. And so he sends a message to Queen Esther saying, Esther, you need to go and see the king and plead for your people. Beg for mercy, stand in the gap for your people. And Esther sends this first response that's like, no, I'm not gonna do that because I haven't been to see the king for 30 days. And everyone knows that if you haven't been asked to see the king, that there's death awaiting for you unless he extends his gold scepter to you. And so Mordecai gives this reply. We're gonna pick it up in Esther 4, verse 13 to 16. He says to Esther, do you not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? 
For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arrive from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. I love Mordecai's faith. He's like, God's got this, God's gonna deliver us, but will you be part of the answer? And then Esther sends this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and pray for, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so long story short, we all know that Queen Esther goes to the king. He extends his gold scepter to her and he says to her, if you want half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. She ends up having dinner with him, then pleading for the life of her people. And her people are miraculously set free. She stands in the gap for others. But to be honest, this story has often perplexed me. Based on Esther's first response, I'm like, Esther, like, can you not see the opposition for such a time as this? Esther, can you not see the call? Can you not see how God has strategically woven everything together for you to be where you are today? And I remember asking God about this, going, God, what's it about? And I remember God so clearly saying to me, there's a difference between being positioned and stepping into the call. There's a difference between being positioned and stepping into the call. So today, the challenge I wanna give to us as a church is are we positioned or are we stepping into the call? Are we just positioned in life, doing what we know we should do? Or has there been a sense of stepping into God's call for our lives? Actually living for Him, being on purpose for Him, making your life count for an eternal difference, that knowing that you are called for such a time as this. And this isn't just for special people who are called for God's kingdom. As Pastor Luke said last week, no, this is for all of us. When Jesus called the disciples, He was calling all people, come follow me. I've got great things in store for you. I've got a great life of purpose, a great life where you're called to influence others. Would you come and follow me? There is a call of God on every single one of us, but it's up to us whether we step into it or whether we're just happy being positioned where we are. There is a call of God for us to step into. See, this is a picture for every single one of us. We are all Queen Esthers, positioned for influence, positioned to step into God's call for our lives, but will we step up to it? See, it's one thing to be positioned in your workplace. It's another to answer God's call to build intentional relationships, bring the heart of God to people, the goodness of God to people. It's one thing to be positioned as a parent, loving, caring for your kids doing what you know you should do. It's another to step into your God call to raise your kids in the ways of God. It's one thing to be positioned in business, be positioned for influence, for wealth. It's another to step into that God call to grow God's kingdom through your business, to say this business isn't about just growing my wealth. No, it's about stepping into kingdom wealth. Come on, we've got Sim Street around the corner. We're in this whole time of expansion where God is entrusting us to take territory for His kingdom and it's on us. There's no accident that you are here. No, we're called with our wealth to build God's wealth, to build something that is here for the generations, something here that is gonna make an eternal impact in the lives of others. It's one thing to be positioned in relationships with our friendships. 
It's another to step into the God kill, to build each other up, to speak life into each other. With our groups, you're not there positioned just to have great relationships. No, you're called to build each other up, to step into that God call, to cheer each other on. It's no accident that you're in the group that you're in. It's one thing to be positioned in relationship with Jesus. It's another to answer His call to follow Him, to live with Him, to walk with Him, to learn with Him, to listen to Him. Now, as so many of us, to be honest, can be listening to the enemy's call in our lives over the call of God. Come on, the enemy's voice, it just comes, now you're never gonna do anything with your life. You're no one special. You're no one significant. That, that, that thing, that issue that you've always dealt with, that's always gonna be there. That fear that you've experienced, that's, that's always gonna be part of your life. You can't step out and do anything for God. That anxiety that you're facing, that, that's there to cripple you for life. And we listen to the enemy and his call for our life starts to determine how we live out our life. Guys, I'm here today to say that there is another call. It is the God call for your life. Would you lean into His plans for you, His promises for you, His future for you, His love for you? Come on, He's got so much more for us. And you can think, well, this is just a hyped up message. No, this is all through the Word of God, His plan for us to step into greater, step into more, step into life and life in its fullness. Would we listen to the God call, not just be positioned in relationship with Jesus? It's one thing to be positioned in His church. It's another thing to be building His church. And how many, and I'm just gonna go there today because I know where God is taking us. We're church, we've gotta be challenged. We've gotta keep growing into everything God has for us. But how many gifts are lying dormant in this room? They're building our lives, but they're not building the house of God. Your gifts are called not to just to build your area of influence, but to build the kingdom of God. What matters for eternity? Come on, where are you lying dormant? You know, maybe there's a gift of leadership. And you know God's just knocking on your heart, just saying, come on, would you step into leadership? Step into influencing others for me. Step into seeing people grow in their relationship with God. Maybe there's a call to minister with kids. But if you're to be honest, there's just a sense of, well, I don't want to. Is that building what matters for eternity? So often we get caught in our day-to-day and -day what we want and it robs us of answering the God call. See, eternal things were never meant to be an afterthought. Eternal things are meant to be at the forefront. The forefront of our thinking that one day, as Bill told me, I'm getting up there. One day when we get to the end of our lives that we can look back. No, and man, I gave Jesus everything. I made my life count for what truly matters. When I meet Jesus one day, I can look him in the eyes knowing, well done, good and faithful servant. You've lived for what matters for me. How many of us can honestly say we're living for what matters for him? I know I have to ask myself that all the time. Am I living for what matters for Him? Or am I living for what matters for me? Because there is a call to live for what matters for Him. 
what matters for eternity. I hope this isn't too heavy today, but I know this is God's Word for us. See, I love that Mordecai is a picture of Jesus, the one who calls us out, the one that calls us to step into what He has for us. In Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus says these words, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Jesus isn't just speaking to His disciples here. He's speaking to a crowd of people. He's saying, whoever, anyone, anyone that wants to, who will take up the call, come on, come follow me, whoever. And then He says, deny. You know, in the Greek version, deny is refuse to agree with. To refuse to agree with self. Where self wants to take me, what I want to do on my own, the comforts that I want to chase, come on, the conveniences that I want to chase, how I want to live for my agenda. I know this so well. I'm preaching from, from me today, not having this all right, but I want to do what I want to do. And that, that sense of not, I'm not going to give in to self because these self promises so much, but delivers so little. It's like when you've been fasting for so long, you're dreaming, you know, about that chocolate cake with chocolate spread all over and a little side of ice cream. And then you go and have that and it's like, oh man, it's a bit of a letdown. I'm left with headaches afterwards. It's not good for my body. It's like it promises so much, but delivers so little. God's like, I've got far better life for you to live. And in that passage, it says, take up your cross. Take up your cross. You know, a person that took up their cross was marked for execution. Marked that their life was over. And I tried in Scripture to find a way to soften this. Like, how can you soften? Take up your cross. But even the message version wasn't nice about it. It's like brutal. Take up your cross. Your life is not your own, Jesus is saying. Your life is mine. It's mine. You're consecrated to me. I'm yours. Come on, are we living with that kind of sense of Jesus? You got my life. I'm, I'm no longer mine. You've got every part of me. And uh, how, how amazing is Scripture says, if you will not take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of me. How profound is that, that He's so worthy of everything that we have. When you truly discover Jesus, in Luke 24th verse, it says, because when you follow me, you discover true life. Jesus isn't asking us to give up self for the sake of just denying ourselves. No, He's asking us to give it up because He's got so much more for us, so much more meaning for us to step into, so much more significance that we get to live our lives with. He's got so much more for us. He's like, guys, would you trust me? Would you deny yourself and trust me? See, I love what Dwight L. Moody says, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you ever could. He can do more with our lives than we ever could on our own. So all I'm gonna do today is look at why we answer His call. Just two points, why we answer His call. And the first thing is because others are counting on us. Others are counting on us. No, there's an urgency in the call to follow Jesus. Again, this passage is so challenging. And Jesus speaking, He says in Luke 9, verse 57 to 62, as they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. He said to another man, come follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him that the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. And we can read that, that's pretty challenging. But Jesus is getting across a point here, guys, there's an urgency to the call. He's not saying forsake all your family, go and leave them forever. No, he's there, but there's an urgency that he's trying to get across. There's an urgency to the call. Come on, guys, there's an urgency in living for others. There's an urgency in following me. There's an urgency in having meaning and purpose to our life. Guys, there's an urgency about this. See, we're in, I feel this from God. We're in a season where we're stepping into Sim Street, about to step into expand into so much more. And I feel that urgency from God, that urgency from heaven of, come on guys, get ready for it. And it's not a greater level of, hey, of hype, it's a greater level of surrender. It's a greater level of going, God, we're ready for everything that You have for us, everything that You want us to step into. God, here we are. We get Your urgency. We get Your priority. We get what You're asking of us, this sense of urgency coming from the inside. See, that we would not get caught up in the privilege of our position, but not respond to the urgency of the call. There's an urgency that He's bringing to us. Our kids are obsessed with basketball at the moment. They just absolutely love basketball. And our Saturdays are just dedicated to going and watching our kids play basketball. But one of our kids in particular has this coach who is so casual. Young guy, lovely guy, but he is so casual. And Craig and I, it does not bode well with us. We are not casual when it comes to sports. We're pretty competitive. But this guy, just like he, he rocks up to practice, just does the same drills over and over. He rocks up just before the game starts and just kind of gets grumpy at the ref. We're like, you're not installing into our kid the right values. It's not about getting grumpy at the ref. It's about playing to the ref. Like we just wanna intervene all the time. Like just give me the coaching position, even though I don't know how to play basketball. But he's so casual. Not intentional. There for a position. But no real meaning behind it. I wonder how often God looks at us. He's like, guys, you're living so casually. Would you see my son and daughter? See, the thing that frustrates me the most about this situation is that he's not seeing the potential in my kid. He's not drawing out the potential that's in my kid. And I wonder whether God looks at us, he's like, guys, would you see the potential of my kids that are all around you? Would you see the intention that I have in people all around you? That work colleague that annoys you and grates you from time to time the potential that I see in them, that family near member that just rubs you up the wrong way, would you see the potential? That person that you see at church and just wanna avoid in conversation because they're difficult, would you see the potential in them? Wherever we walk, are we looking for the gold, the potential that's in others or are we just casual, filling a position but not responding to the God call? 
There is a God call that He wants us to step into with people around us that need investing into. I love that wherever Jesus walked, He drew people out of hiding. He drew people out of hiding and called them into the wide open spaces that God had for them. The woman with the issue of blood, hiding and broken. Jesus healed her, called her, da- called her daughter. Zacchaeus, hiding in a tree, because he was so unpopular. Jesus drew him out and invited him into his world. Woman at the well, hiding because she felt so condemned. Jesus revealed himself to her, showed her value, her significance. The blind man crying out to Jesus on the side of the road. The crowd wanted to shut them up to hide them, but Jesus sought them out and healed them. There are so many people that need to come out of hiding and find Jesus. And we are the ones that are entrusted with it. Now over, just before Christmas, we had our Airbnb, uh, our place put up to Airbnb because we were going away for quite a few weeks. And and we had these few days just before Christmas and a, a family in church very generously gave us a few nights at the Crown Hotel in, um, in the middle of the city. And we had never been there before and we walked in and it, it's just plush to the days. It is so beautiful and we did not feel like we belonged one iota. It was like, you know, three kids in tow, like, and you're like, oh my gosh, are we actually, you know, should we be here? And so we had a couple of nights, it was awesome. It was our first afternoon, so we're like, got to our room, put everything down. Then we're like, well, let's go to the pool and have some time at the pool with the kids. And so Craig and Zion went to the gym to pump some iron, do their thing at the gym. And then I got in the pool with Easy and Hope. And Easy is having the time of our of his life, our little four-year-old. He's jumping into the pool and he's taking so much water in, it's, it's crazy. So I say to him, well, buddy, let's just take a moment to relax. And this pool is macking. It is beautiful. It is so long and it's got one of those beautiful spas that kind of is at the side of the pool that flows into the rest of the pool. It's got these beautiful day beds all over the entire pool. It's just stunning. So we go to the, part, the spa section just to give Easy a chance to rest. And we're sitting in the spa and then out of nowhere, he projectile vomits. I know, this brown vomit into the spa. I'm like, I'm in shock. He has never vomited in his life. No word of a lie. Not that I would ever lie up here. But he, he has never vomited in his life before. So I'm in shock. And it's this brown, horrible vomit. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So I, I look at him, I'm like, buddy. And then I just start to try and pick up the pieces of vomit. <laughs> from inside the pool. I'm just at a loss to do hopes on the other side of the pool playing. And so I get him out, wrap him in a towel. And I'm like, what do you do here? And I'm like, look, I have worked in a pool before. It's my first job. I know what goes into a pool. Chlorine is there. It'll take care of it. We're good. So I sit there wrapping easy up, wondering what we should do. And then all of a sudden, this lady starts to come around the pool and get everybody out. And I'm like... Oh, surely that's not because of us. Surely not. So she get, starts to get everyone else. She just she comes up to me. She says, look, we've had a dangerous situation happen in the pool. We need everyone to get out. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so I kind of just hang around to see what's happening. A lot of people just leave, going to their rooms. A few others are kind of scattered around the pool, just waiting to hear. And then the next thing, this young guy comes around to everyone still waiting and says, look, just to let you know, the pool's gonna actually be closed for two hours and we need to treat it. 
And then he says to me, would you like to know what happened? And I, before I could even say no, he starts telling me, he's like, look, just to let you know, we had a kid vomit in the pool. Two families saw it happen and they saw the mother trying to hide the vomit. <laughs> push the vomit into the pool. I felt like saying I was not trying to push the vomit into the spa. I was trying to get the vomit out of the spa. And anyway, he says, so, you know, like, you, we're just having to treat the pool because of that. And I looked at him, I said, oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> and then he moved on. And I said to Hope, Hope had come back by that stage. I said, Hope, go get your father right now. And so she went and got Craig and Craig comes over. I'm like, babe, we have just emptied the pool of the most prestigious hotel in Melbourne for two hours on Christmas Eve. And Craig, I said, what should we do? Craig looked at me and he's like, we should just enjoy the day beds. They're all free now. But I was so mortified. I was like, we're going back to our rooms right now. We walked past the reception desk. The lady there is telling everyone about the incident that happened. But now it's grown to two children vomiting in the pool. We go to the lift. They're talking about how the pool has closed because a kid vomited. I just wanted to hide. I wanted to die. I now know what true condemnation looks like. Honestly, I was mortified. I was like, Craig, we just need to get out of this hotel. They've probably got wanted pictures of me everywhere. Like, let's just get out of here. But I thought to myself in that situation, first of all, thanks, Easy. Great, great job to vomit on that occasion. But how many people walk around feeling so condemned so wanting to hide when it comes to their relationship with God. That sense of, do I really belong here? The number one thing that we get when people walk into this church, they first walk in, people who don't know Jesus often will say, I don't know whether I should be here. The roof will probably cave in on me. And they're looking for a place to belong. They're looking for people that'll show them how good our God is. The Word of God says Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. We are the ones that need to get that message out to the world that Jesus is not here to condemn. He's not here to be hidden from. No, He's here because He loves you so much. His goodness is so great. The life that He's got for you is so incredible. One hears so much goodness and we're the ones to get that message out that the world would not be hiding, but they'd come into our environment and find hope. And how many people come into our foyer for the first time and it's a big deal for some people to come to church. Someone has prayed them in. Someone has believed God that they would come and they pluck up the courage to come in and they walk in here looking for Jesus, looking to belong, looking to get past that condemnation. And they come in and we're the ones that they're looking for. But so often we can be caught up in our conversations with those that we know, those that we're comfortable with, and that person is looking to belong. Will we be the church that helps people to belong? helps people to feel like they're seen, that God loves them, that God sees them.
So we step into the God call first and foremost because others are relying on it. And secondly, can I have the team join me, please? Because there is a grace that we step into. There's a grace. When Esther made the choice to step into her call, there was a grace that met her. The king extended the gold scepter to her. He said, half the kingdom is yours. There was a favour that she stepped into. Grace is undeserved favour, unmerited favour. When we step into our God call, we step into God's unmerited favour. There's a grace that comes on our lives when we live in obedience to Him. Now, when I was having time with God at the beginning of this year, I was like, God, this is a massive year for us. What is the message that you have for us? I felt God so clearly say, He led me three times to Nehemiah and Ezra, where it says the gracious hand of the Lord was on them. God said this year as a church, the gracious hand of the Lord is gonna be on you guys to do the work that I've called you to do. No, the gracious hand of the Lord is on you to fulfil His call. You're not doing it in your own strength. You're not doing it in your own power. No, there's a grace that is on you to fulfil what He's asked of you. You don't have to strive. Sometimes we think this picture of following Jesus is about striving, but it's actually about being aligned to Him. It's about being in the slipstream of His power. When we're in the slipstream of His power, we're able to carry what He's called us to. The day we were leaving Sim Street and went a back way and had to sit waiting for a train, this massive engine came across first and then cart after cart after cart followed that engine. We were waiting there for 10 minutes, just cart after cart, longest train that I've ever seen. You know what? The carts weren't carrying any power but because they were aligned to that main engine, they were able to carry what they were meant to carry. In the same way, when we follow Jesus, when we're aligned to Him, we're able to carry what He's called us to carry because of His grace, because of His power. When you look in Acts, what the apostles did time and time again, Acts 4, it talks about how they were graced with power. Great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them. Acts 6 verse verse 8, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Acts 13 verse 43, Paul and Barnabas spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. When we step into our purpose, there is a grace that comes on us, a grace to fulfil every Everything that God has called us to. It's not about striving, it's about aligning. That's why Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. If you don't abide in me, you will not bear fruit. There's a grace that we step into and we step into the call. So I'd love us, why don't we take a moment to stand to our feet. The team is gonna lead us in some worship. And I'd love us just to have a moment with God right now. Or maybe you've been challenged today. Hey, there's a call that I need to step into. I'm not just positioned, but there's a call that I know God is asking of me to step into. Or maybe there's just a fresh sense of grace is wanting to touch your life in a new way today. His grace is wanting to meet you. So God, I just pray right now, as we have this time with You, God, that You'd pour out Your presence, that You'd pour out Your grace, that You'd pour out Your favour, 
they'd pour out Your kindness to us, that that kindness would overflow into others. They'd stir us with a new, a fresh call that You're giving us, that we're not just positioned, but God, we're called to step into everything that You have for us, Your purpose, Your power, Your love. Holy Spirit, I pray, would You move in every single life right now, change things where You need to change things. Just pour out Your grace, pour out Your goodness right now. In Jesus' Name, come on, let's worship Him. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.